0: Hey there, welcome to another episode of Close to the Vest. This is Arthur Ettinger, and I am super excited about this uh, episode. I have celebrity fitness trainer, and owner of Flex Fitness, Mario Guevara, up on the line. Mario, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, Arthur, how are you doing?
0: Awesome, awesome. Sorry we can't be uh, together either in LA or New York, but uh, next time, so. Yeah, uh,
1: we will soon going out there
0: soon. Perfect. So in a lot of my episodes, we talk about transformation. It's a relationship podcast. And I thought it would be fantastic to have you on to talk about transforming your life through fitness. Um, That is in so many realms that is for an individual, and especially for you, because you truly have transformed your life. Through fitness, and now you are this rock star celebrity fitness trainer. So uh, let's just jump in. I, I can you just before we get into your your uh, the fitness the journey. Um, business sure. that you have. Yeah, I want to ride the journey, and so we got to obviously start from the beginning. And yes. the beginning would be you know your background. I know you grew up in uh, South grew- Central.
1: Central Los Angeles correct. Yep. Tell
0: us what that was like.
1: Uh, I mean so I grew up in the 80s in South Central on 40th and Hoover I was literally across the street from the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum home of the Raiders at the time. Um, it was it was not easy let's put it that way it was not an easy upbringing at that time you know what I mean. Yeah
0: That's a tough spot if you're not a Raiders fan and uh, even if you are a Raiders fan.
1: Yeah, it was a tough spot, period, (laughs) at that time. You know, gangs, violence, all that was super intense at that time. You know, people were getting killed for Jordans. People were getting killed for wearing the wrong colors, et cetera, et cetera. It it wasn't an easy upbringing. But thankfully, I had some great parents that uh, helped me along the way. And,
0: you know, I know early on, you actually, you were very successful. Um, and you, you actually, you, you got into a business which was completely different than fitness where you are today. Can you share with that?
1: Yeah, well, I got into real estate, like back in 2003. Okay, 2003, I got into real estate. I got into real estate because of a friend who was doing it. He was crushing it. He was a broker. So it, it motivated me to go in that direction. I was like, Oh, I want to be like this guy. He's making a lot of money. Um, you know, he's driving nice cars. He owns his own house. I was like, I'm gonna learn from this guy. So I ended up working with him for like six months for free in return. I was learning the real estate business. So I worked for him for six months a year later i went to get my real estate license and then i got into real estate but already having some experience by working with a broker so and my, how well, sorry
0: yeah. how old were you at the time
1: um when i was when i got licensed i was 25 years old yeah. got it and uh, you you had
0: the taste of success early on
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hit the market right at the boom. I don't know if you're familiar, but in 2004, the real estate market started like booming out here in California. I'm not sure if it was the same in New York, but properties were low. Interest rates were low. Financing was easy to get. So I I caught a wave, you know, that most people probably hadn't seen in a long time. And And I was very successful at the time, sold over like 10 million worth of properties back in 2005. Wow. just uh crushing it living crazy spending money crazy driving all these cars it was it was quite a ride yep yeah.
0: and uh, and how something obviously happened um, yeah
1: well, well so from 03 I got licensed in 03 okay uh, the market crashed in 06 I was successful all the way up until 06 I didn't foresee the real estate market crashing the way it did. So towards the end of 05, early 06, I went heavy in buying properties that I was attempting to flip, to fix and flip. But since the market crashed and all the banks, you know, they started making it hard to get loans. I ended up having a ton of properties under my belt and a ton of mortgages under my belt. And I wasn't able to sell properties anymore. Like I was experiencing in the past and it just, it just all started crumbling after 06 and in 06, I I went into one of my biggest transactions that I had at the time, which was this three unit building in North Hollywood that I was trying to buy off of a seller, the seller went out of the country. Long story short, it caused a, a lawsuit to happen against my company at the time, which was Nationwide Capital Investments LLC, and then that caused an audit, and then the audit found that I hadn't paid taxes in five years, and et cetera, et cetera. So then there was a lawsuit, and then there was an investigation, and they were looking for me, and yeah, it was, it was three years of me living pretty much as a fugitive because they were trying to subpoena me to come to court for not paying taxes. And and I avoided it for three years. And finally, in September 14th of 2009, I I was arrested for tax evasion.
0: Okay. And I know, you know, we talked offline at some point you end up, um, going to prison.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, and September 14th, 2009.
0: Okay. And, so i want to get to that in a second but there's something else that you shared with me which is um kind of you know it it strikes me just because i can relate um i know you lost your dad yes same, uh, year. Just,
1: same year i lost my dad may 13 2009.
0: um and if you don't mind sharing how'd you lose your dad
1: uh so i'll tell you the story i I had, so my parents live in Bakersfield at the time they were living in Bakersfield. My mom still lives in Bakersfield. So when I was in real estate, I bought properties in Bakersfield also. My parents fell in love with this property that I bought that I was going to flip. I ended up letting them keep the property. So they stayed in there. I remodeled it for them, et cetera, et cetera. So my parents would come visit me out here in LA on the weekends. Um, So this was in 2009 probably May 10th, Sunday, or May 11th, because my dad passed away on the 13th, three days later. Mm. They came to visit. It was Sunday. I saw my dad. We went to have coffee at Porto's. I think I shared the story with you. Um, we had coffee. My dad looked good. My mom looked good. They all looked happy, healthy. Um, they, they leave, right, on a Sunday. Three days later or two days later, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, my mother calls me. It was 7 a.m., She calls me with her voice like super intense, elevated, telling me to calm down in Spanish. Immediately my heart starts racing. I knew it was something tragic. And she's like, be strong, mijo, be strong, mijo, which means, you know, Mijo, my son be be strong. And she told me your dad just just had a heart attack. And as I'm on the phone with her, my dad was on the ground in the backyard, you know, still struggling for life, I believe, because she called the ambulance. And um yeah, they took him to the hospital. He just he, he didn't make it. He didn't, he didn't recover from the heart attack.
0: I am so sorry, man. I you know, I yeah, say was, this all was, the time. Was, I, I've been there. and My dad had hard complications, which resulted in him passing away. And uh, we're in a we're in a an awful club with some pretty amazing members. Yes. So, yes. Um, can you before? I, I really I I really want to get into the the prison. Part of your journey, but um, the loss of your of your dad. Um, how how has that impacted your view of you know how you handle your life and how you go about your business, so to speak?
1: Well, I mean, losing my father really intensified my motivation to succeed and to to make him proud or to make my family proud as well. And obviously he left my mom behind, left my sister behind. So I feel a, a more of a responsibility to take care of my mother and take care of my sister and her kids. you
0: know. Sure. And um, are you close with your mom now?
1: Yes, yes, extremely. Like it, it really changed the, I mean, obviously I've always loved my mother. Um, but as we, you know, when, when we're, as we're growing up in our 20s, our 30s, we can lose sight of family or lose, lose sight and communication with your mom or your loved ones because you're, you're in the grind, you're in the mix, you're trying to make things happen and, and you kind of neglect family. At least for me, I, it happened to me a little bit, you know, I neglect
0: sure. a little bit.
1: But after I lost my dad, it made me value my relationship with my mom so much more. Like now it's like I make sure I talk to my mom every day. Make sure she's good. Make sure, you know, she sees me because just a phone call. My mom is happy. She's she's, you know, just excited to see me on the other side. Now we got FaceTime so she can actually see me. You know, I was away. So it definitely has brought my relationship to my mother a lot tighter.
0: Good. So. All right. So now you lose your dad now. This is that's quite a year, two thousand nine for you. Yeah, so you lose your pops, and then you end up having to go um, into custody. And so, what was like before you're there? What's going through your mind? You know, like the days leading up to being incarcerated.
1: Well, the days leading up to it, I had no idea that 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 was going to happen. I, I was under this impression that. The investigation had been dropped. Um, there was, there was, there was things that happened that led me to believe that I was in the clear, but, um, as soon as, so when I got, I got arrested on a Monday, the previous Thursday I had gone, I had got my driver's license again from DMV. And so now there was an address for me, you know, cause like I told you, this investigation started in 2006. So the morning I got arrested. I had gone on a run, I was thinking my life, I could start my life over, I had a fresh start because I just got my driver's license and and I didn't think they were looking for me anymore. Um, And that morning, I even updated my Facebook, saying, hey, I'm starting over, I just finished a run, you know, life is great. And as I'm eating my cereal at my place that I was staying at in Burbank, I was staying with a best friend of mine and he was actually fighting some kind of domestic violence case when we saw we saw an undercover cop just come pull up in front of our property i did not think they were coming for me you know my friend was like he was like oh my god mario tell him i'm not home and he runs into his room right i'm not home i'm "Oh, no problem i go grab the door they 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 have a file in front of them and they're like oh mr gavara just the man we're looking for can you step outside you have the right to remain silent and you know i got the whole spiel and at that time i realized what this was about and I don't know if I told you that before, but it honestly it was, it was a sense of relief for me. You know, I, I was just like, finally like, okay, I got to deal with this because you know, it was three years that this investigation was going on for, it, you know, from 06 to 09. So that day it was a little bit of relief and obviously a little bit of fear. I was just like, fuck, I, I didn't know how long I was going to actually have to do incarcerated, you know?
0: It's it's really amazing because most people would be extremely scared. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right, and,
1: South Central, right?
0: <laughs> right. and you're, here you are saying, "Oh my God, I finally um, don't have to look over my shoulder. They're here."
1: Exactly. Um, I was just like, "Finally, this I could I'm gonna put this behind me. Whenever they let me back out, I know that I'm free. You know, I yeah. can live my life again." without looking over my shoulder
0: and you know limbo is a really limbo is a really tough place to be in no matter what
1: the scenario is yeah it's not a good place it's very stressful it's very unhappy it's it's not a good place to be at
0: so yeah so in a way you were at peace
1: yeah in a way in a way and i had some cool detectives they let me keep my phone while i was in the car driving to the station I texted my friends. I didn't call my mom. I didn't want to put the stress on her. I don't want to panic her, but I told my best friend, call my mom, call my sister, tell them what happened, what have you. Yeah. So
0: now the first day you're behind bars, what was that like? I'm assuming that feeling of peace had to have uh, evaporated fairly quickly.
1: (laughs) Very quickly, very quickly. As a matter of fact, as soon as I got to the, to the police station, because you don't go straight behind bars. You go, you go to the police station, there's like a whole intake procedure. And honestly, is just like Hollywood portrays it sometimes in some of these movies or shows where they put you in a room, there's a chair and a table, and that's it. So they put me in a room, chair, table. I'm sitting there. A detective walks in, it's a female detective, and she comes in sassy oh, Mr. Guevara, how are you today? We've been looking for you for a couple of years now. You're, you must be a, you're a very smart guy, because we haven't been able to find you and this and this and that. And I was just like, I, I, I stopped her right away. I was like, listen, I'm not going to say a word until I have an attorney present. Okay? Oh, I figured you were going to answer that way, Mr. Guevara. Well, I'll, I want you to know that you're not going home for a very long time. And she slams the door. And that's when That sense of peace and relief was gone. I was just like, damn. Wow. And then it was just, yeah, from then on, it was like not knowing when I'd come home was like the hard part.
0: And so, you know, we hear stories all the time. You mentioned, you know, Hollywood and you see in movies People yeah. make a transformation. You literally had a transformation in prison. Yes. yes. So, I'd love for you to share uh, that transformation, um, because as I understand it, your incarceration, in your prison time, truly has, you know, made you
1: uh, the it, person
0: it, you are today.
1: Definitely changed my life, and it definitely. Made me who I am today. When I when I was when I got arrested, I was 200 pounds. Okay, think about it. It was I've always been fit. I've always been an athlete, all that. But I was in a relationship back then. My girlfriend at the time would not like me to go to the gym. You know what I mean? She was insecure. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, she thought I was trying to. Talk so, to
0: talk to her. so wait a second. So you have a girlfriend who doesn't want you to go to the gym? Can you just
1: yeah? Like she.
0: What was the reason behind that?
1: Like. Like I'm trying to pick up on girls at the gym type shit. Oh, I got it. And then it's like, and I like to spend, I don't like to have a limit. I'm not just at the gym for an hour. I could be at the gym for two hours, three hours. Cause I, I work out, I'll play some basketball, run some full courts. The girlfriend, of course, thinking other things, you know what I mean? Right. So it was like, I'm, I'm cooking, you know, I'm home. So it will be dinner, wine, et cetera, et cetera. The next thing you know, I'm 200 pounds, you know? I'm 5'7", I'm, I'm not a tall dude. So 200 pounds, right. I had a little belly, I had some sheets. I posted on my Instagram before, I'll show you one day, but it's I was cheeky, you know, I was a little chuggy. Right.
0: I wouldn't mind being 200 pounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're also probably six feet, six, six one. It's all good, not yeah. quite, <laughs>
0: but uh, in any event, back to you. um so right, I, go go man,
1: two, I go in at 200 pounds. And, and then, you know, I, I did 548 days in prison, okay? Three months of my sentence was a, was a very scary three months because it was three months of me fighting my case, not knowing when I was gonna come home, okay? So in those three months, I had a public defender and she was, at, originally they wanted to give me 14 years, okay, 14 wow. years. So when I heard that, I I cried. I was scared. I was like, "What do you mean? You know, I've never done anything wrong. What, what do you mean? I just haven't paid taxes." She was like, "Well, that's that's what it is." And she was like, "If you go to trial and lose, you're gonna get max sentence." But she was like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna fight for you. We can take a plea bargain or something, and and we can have it. You know, we'll negotiate, but it's gonna take us a while." And I go, "Okay, fine. I'm I'm, I'm willing to do whatever. I just, I'm just not doing 14 years. I can't do that." Know my life would be over, you know what I mean? Sure. So she ended up getting me a deal for four years with halftime. So, four years with halftime means two years. But I also qualified for a fire camp program and I got accepted for it, and that reduced six months off my sentence, and I ended up doing 18 months. So 3 months I didn't know what I was going to do 3 months I finally got sentenced so September, October, November, December I got sentenced then I got sent away to a prison in December of 09 and then I was in Susanville till June or July of 2010 and then in 2010 I got sent away to fire camp and then in fire camp is where I got in the best shape of my life and that gave me, that's where I got motivated and inspired and gave me this new direction that I'm in now. All
0: right, so let's talk about fire camp in a second. I want to ask, so you spent, you know, 540 some odd days in prison. And so I don't know location wise, geography, Somerville. How far is Somerville from South Central? Susanville. Susan. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Susanville. Somerville. I'm from I'm from the East Coast, so uh, there's so many areas of Somerville over here. So I apologize, I so, 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 so Susanville. How far is Susanville from South Central? Uh,
1: like 16 hour drive north.
0: Gee, so, how often is uh, how often are your family members coming to visit
1: you? I did not get visits when I was in Susanville.
0: Are you serious? No. Wow. Me. So that had to be really hard on you.
1: It, I mean, it was I, honestly, it, it was just out. It was not that hard because I already had my end date at that point. I knew got when it. I was coming home, I got visits when I was fighting my case. The first three months, my mom would come see me at the county jail because it was local. So got I could see my mom for the first three months. But once I had an end date, once I knew I was coming home at this day, then it was, I was at ease, and I was just more like, "Okay, what am I going to do when I come
0: home?" Right. And now, are you in? You know, are you in general population because they would you know they consider your your offense like a you know a white collar crime? Yes. So, are you in with guys who let's say are uh, either accused or convicted of uh, uh, you know murder and oh yeah, I was. Mantle- I was-
1: I was in with all those guys. I, I was, I was in with murderers, rapists, home invasion, criminals, like gangbangers, homeless people, like just everything.
0: You had to have been scared shitless.
1: <laughs> I mean, yes and no. See what you don't understand, like when you're in prison, so prison is very is segregated. And, and in California there's uh, like four groups. There's Southsiders, there's ass, whites, blacks. That's four groups, okay? And then the fifth group, they call others. And then obviously there's protective custody, which which we don't hang around with because that's not part of the general population. Right. But yeah, you have to make a decision as soon as you go into prison who you're going to team up with, I guess, you know, putting it in a way like that. It's a team. So like me knowing. You know, I grew up in South Central. I've never been in a gang, but I've had gang member friends. I've had friends that had been to prison and been in these situations. So I kind of knew what I had to do. So I I teamed up with the Southsiders. Once you team up with someone, then it's like family. They embrace you. They tell you the rules of how it works. Like there's sinks specifically for our group. There's toilets specifically for our group. When certain races in the shower, we can't be in the shower. It's it's just it's crazy. Wow, it's
0: that's, that's whole, wild.
1: Yeah, it's a whole. There's they have their own world and their own politics, their own rule sure. that you gotta abide by.
0: And so let's let's now focus on fire camp. What's fire camp?
1: Fire camp is a program that they have for nonviolent criminals that allows you to do some work and reduce your time in prison. So I was essentially a firefighter. You know, I was awesome. fighting wildlife fires. I went through a two week program, physical training and actually like college credit fire training at Lassen, Lassen County Community College.
0: So during your time in, in prison, you're actually, you learned and you got trained to be-
1: A, fire. a firefighter.
0: That's yeah. awesome, man.
1: It was a, it's a great program. And and like I said, that being in that program is where I really transformed my life.
0: And so you would go out into the public and like, and help fight like the California wildfires?
1: Yes. Yes. My crew would go to parks and stuff because also we had jobs. So I worked at a log mill and I was a, a log miller. So my crew would go out into the forest, we'll cut big redwood trees down. Bring them back to the log mill and make it usable wood, and then make park benches or make useful things for for uh, recreational parks in the community. Wow, and other, that's amazing! Yeah, other crews would go out in the public and clean the parks or clean the community, and we would get paid. We'd get paid like a dollar an hour for for this work that we did.
0: And does everybody do this, or is this just something you wanted to do?
1: I wanted to do it obviously because I knew I could get six months off my sentence. Sure. It's available for all non-violent crime offenders or whatever. And first timers too.
0: It's amazing. And so when we were, when we chatted briefly, you told me about this guy Mondo that you met and uh, tell everybody who Mondo was or is
1: I mean Mondo is probably home now, but Mondo Mondo was uh just this he was in prison for home invasion robbery with a, obviously with a fire weapon. And he, he was he was serving like thirteen years. But the reason he got into fire camp is he was in good behavior for maybe, I don't know, seven plus years and he qualified for fire camp like for his last five years of his sentence, I believe. And the reason Mondo stands out is because my first day of fire camp, um, I actually went out on a fire. And like I told you, I was on the chainsaw team. Mondo was the chainsaw. So he was the one cutting trees, bushes, whatever was in the way. And I was the puller. So me being a puller, I carried the gas tank for the chainsaw and I moved all the debris out of the way. So the first day we get a fire, it's hot as hell. We're hiking two miles up this mountain. Smoke's coming in my face. Mondo's kicking ass. He's done this several fire seasons, so he's moving, trucking. I'm struggling. It's hot. I'm tired. I just hiked two miles. There's smoke in my face. I got 80 pounds of gas tank on me while I'm moving. You know, it's like, it's not easy. Ron mm-hmm. just bad-mouthing me the whole time. He's talking crazy to me, telling me, hurry up and you know, you're moving too slow, like just talking shit to me the whole time. And it got to- Are, you, re- huh? Are you rethinking your decision
0: <laughs> to go to fire camp? Yes, I'm like, dang,
1: this is crazy, man. No, but you know what I mean? I'd rather be doing that than being in a cell or being in right an actual prison. But long story short, I almost got in a fight, with Mondo. Fire captain breaks it up, breaks it up. They send me to the back of the fire line When I'm in the back of the fire line, the the guys in the back are like, are you crazy? Were you really trying to fight Mondo? And I'm like, this is my first day here. I don't know who Mondo is. He's just this little, he's shorter than me. He's a little dude. And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, Mondo is the most respected criminal in our camp. You know, he could have killed you with the chainsaw right now and probably not blinked or not thought twice about it." And I'm like, oh, shit. So now I'm like, I'm scared as fuck to go back to the camp. I'm like, damn, I'm over here. I just caused trouble with this guy, the most feared criminal. This is my first day. Right. Like shit. So so we get back to camp and I'm like, we get in the showers and I look at this guy and this guy is tatted up. He got tats all over his body. He's shredded from head to toe. Like he has muscles everywhere. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm just gonna fight with this guy. And, and Mondo just—I mean—because I'm like I told you before, I associated with the Southsiders. Mondo's a Southsider. He—he he didn't fight me or anything, but he from from then on he had no respect for me. He he treated me like crap for months on out. And like I told you, eventually we became good friends, and and we worked out for like my last four months of my sentence every day together. Like I finally gained his respect. <laughs>
0: You know it's so funny. Uh, when we talked, I think about like this. Truly is a transformation, and you know the you know the old saying, "You get lemons, you make lemonade."
1: Yeah. You went
0: to prison, and um, you know a lot of people could have gone the other way. And yeah. you know I'm guessing the last thing you ever thought was starting a business, uh, and around fitness when you walked into prison. Um, You know, you meet a guy who is obviously the two of you don't get along. And instead of just continuing to not get along, you know, you ended up transforming that relationship. That's huge.
1: You know, I tell my kids that. It took a lot of patience. It took a lot of just will. Patience, meaning like, I still had to try to be nice to him. I still had to be cordial. I to, we we're in the same crew, right? I was still his saw for the entire camp. So yeah, it, it, it took a lot of patience, man. I, a lot of I had to take a lot of like disrespectful things, um, him treating me a certain way, putting me down. But at the end of the day, like I said, I already knew in my head, April eighth, twenty eleven, I'm coming home. So at all costs, I wanted to keep at peace with everyone. So I, I was just like, look, I'm gonna continue just being me, working hard. And he saw that and then eventually, like I said, I, tra- I changed his opinion of me and we became friends and we ended up training together every day. I was like, look, I wanna be I want to be swole like you. I wanna be strong and cut like you. Let's work out together, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, listen, you got four months before you get to go home you got to do everything I do every single day from start to finish. And I was like, okay, no problem. Let's do it. And I committed to that. And and this guy was all about hard work. This guy was responsible for this garden that was like a football field, cute, big. He, he had to plant stuff in there. We had to turn over the soil. So we would take our work like workouts. So we worked from eight thirty to four 30, go balls out hard, and then our workout time was like from six to seven every single day. And i just do whatever he asked me to do.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you could have just kept your distance after that altercation and you just, you did the exact opposite. And yeah, know, next thing you know, you're, you're buddies and- Yeah. And you're paving the way for your future. Yeah. So, so now you get out <clears throat> and I'm assuming befriending him made your the, the remainder of your experience behind bars so much easier.
1: Oh yeah, well, fire camp did. Fire camp most definitely did. Think about you're in a in a prison or a, a yeah in a cell environment, right? Or in a dorm with inmates, with a TV room, no weight room, and you got limited yard time. So for the three hours of the day, you get to be outside roaming around and talking to people, I could run laps, I could do pull-ups, stuff like that, because there was a pull-up bar, a dip bar, some benches. But it was like three hours of, of playtime outdoors. Then the rest, what is that, 21 hours, you're in a dorm. Right. Know? And obviously you got lunchtime where you could go to the cafeteria and all that. Sure.
0: Yeah, I get it. Sure. Um, and then camp, yeah.
1: camp life. Now, I'm eating what the fire captains eat. I mean, it's, there's no walls. There's no barbed wire. I'm in the forest. I got my own little cubicle, you know, space. I had access to a library, a weight room, basketball court, baseball nice. field. Yeah, it was, it was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you transformed your experience in prison. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, okay, so now April 8th, 2001, you get out. What? That, 2000, sorry, 2011. Then what,
1: um, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the streets like a bull, like, like, like they open the doors and I'm this raging bull just ready for, for everything. I was like, okay, I knew I had already set up like a photo shoot for my new fitness business at that time. Uh, it was called my That was my initial idea. Um, my virtual trainers was because I figured you know, I'm only one person, but I wanted to try to reach as many people as I could. So I figured I could start by one-on-one training, but I want to start an online community where I can reach, you know, millions of people or, or just expand my reach. So, so uh, you,
0: so you already knew before you got out of prison that this was, you were going to, as soon as you got out, I'm awesome. going to jump on this on run. I
1: was going to uh, start training. Yeah. I was going to start training. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And, uh, so what steps do you do?
1: So it, 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 it wasn't an easy, it was not an easy, um, journey because when I got out, obviously I'm, I'm with, I'm at zero. I didn't have a place to live. Um, uh, but I had, I had two, two options. I could live with my sister and her brand new baby and my brother-in-law right in the Valley somewhere. Or I live in Toluca Lake with a friend, but who was not doing, like he was, he was doing illegal activities. So it it was like putting me fresh out of prison. So, you know, when you get out of prison, you're still like in a, I think it was a one year probation type period or months. I still have to check into someone and et cetera, et cetera. So immediately that was a little bit of a. A mistake by me by <laughs> taking the Toluca Lake route, you right. know. But it was just a more comfortable route. It was like he was offering me a room; I didn't have to pay rent. But I was putting myself at risk by being in a place where there was a lot of illegal activities going on.
0: Yeah, that's so, probably not the smartest move to. Oh, no, and it
1: wasn't, and, it, and it honestly, it slowed my my process of to get to where I'm at today. Like it, it stalled it for a year like I was doing it but at the same time it was like I had to I had to do what he wanted me to do kind of you know understand like because it's I felt I felt obligated to help him do stuff so it's not like I could just go out and be gone all day and try to train people it it, it was just it was awkward it was I was in a negative space you know and and it didn't allow me to grow until until I left that situation and really was like pretty much homeless like I was living out of a car I was living like on the streets. Sometimes I would spend the night at, at a spa and I'd pay like 25 bucks and you know spas, Korean spas have like a sleeping area. So I'd sleep there wake up at 5am get in a hot sauna, shower and then take a, the subway to back to Hollywood where, where I had a gym like a train. Wow. And I was doing that for, I was doing that in 2012 for about six months and like couch hopping, spending the night at at people's homes. And then in 2013, I finally got like my own place.
0: And did you ever think like, oh man, I'm living on, I'm homeless, I don't have any place to stay. Why am I doing this? I should be doing something else. Maybe I'll go back to real estate.
1: No, man, because honestly, like I said, when I made the decision to leave, live in Toluca Lake and put myself in that negative space, I noticed the struggle and how hard it was to just to try to build my my um, training business now. But the moment I left, positive things started happening. Right. So my first day out and being like on my own and not living in that comfortable apartment, I meet this girl who had a place for me to train at now as opposed to me training like at parks or at LA fitness or 24 hour fitness places where I wasn't even supposed to be training because I wasn't one of their trainers. Sure. So I met this girl who had her own studio. Well, she worked at a studio on Highland and Franklin and she's like, they need trainers. So to me, it was like an immediate sign like that I'm doing the right thing, you know, by, by just stepping out and having faith. I'm a Christian. So I believe in God. So I, I feel like he was like, assuring me that things are gonna be okay, you know? Cause man, when I, when I watched, she when I met her at Runyon and the next day I met her at the studio, I was like, wow. I was like, this is perfect. Like I can train right. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. And
0: and, and when did you start Flex Lab?
1: Uh, that didn't come to about two years after that in 2014. Well, I started Flex Fitness as a business in 2014. Flex Lab, like this place, I just got this in during COVID last year in September. Oh wow!
0: Yeah, oh, we'll talk. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. So, at some point, you blow up. You start having, you know, uh, you start training sure. celebrities.
1: Yeah. Well, so look, when I got the studio, right? I'm, I, I now have. I got to audition. I did like two classes for this guy, Mario. His name was Mario too, the guy that owned the gym. I ran two classes for him. The, the people in the class loved me, loved the class. So Mario's like, you're hired. So all I had to do was teach these two classes Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and then I was able to train clients on my own so I could tell people to come train with me. And at this gym, a year later, so I'm building my my business. I'm, I'm only charging like 25, $30 an hour at the time. Just trying to build the brand, just trying to build my business and my clientele. A year later, um, Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, okay, he opens up his uh, TV network called Revolt TV across the street from this gym where I'm at. And he actually walked into my studio when I'm in there by myself, right? And he's introducing himself. He's like, hey, I'm Sean Combs, Puff Daddy. I'm like, man, I know who you are. (laughs) He's like, hey, I'm just coming, introducing myself because I'm opening up my new TV network called Revolt TV, et cetera, et cetera. We take a picture together. I'm like, great to meet you. And I, I offer him to come train with me. He said, yes, he'll come. He never came. But what he did do was he told all his employees about my gym where I was training at. So that got me going a little bit. That got me like more clientele. And then I ended up training the host from his TV network, which her name is Sibley Skoals. We're still good friends. She, I think she's with E now, or, or she's doing her own thing. She's she's crushing it though. But she was like my my first influential person because she had about, I don't know, she had maybe 4,000, 5,000 followers at the time. Right. I only had a few hundred followers at the time. Sure. So, so I trained her, we were working together for like a year. A year after Sibley, I meet Karuchi. So I met Karuchi like in 2015, right? When I meet Karuchi, Karuchi has like 4 million followers at the time, she has like 10 million today. Wow. So Karuchi introduced me to her friends and her friends, you know, it just, it just starts growing like that. That's, how, that's honestly how it started. From Carucci, it really hit another level.
0: Let me ask you, and I know there are a lot of people that you just you can't mention because of confidentiality yeah. issues. Uh, do you go about your business? Do, do, you, do you handle things differently if, if if you are training a celebrity versus somebody who is not a public figure?
1: And how so? How so? What do you mean?
0: I don't know. Like you know, like. Uh, are there different things like, um, you know, uh, are you training? Is there must be certain complications um, by mere fact of they're busier and uh, it may be more pressed. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm just from your perspective. You know, uh, and I, mean, I guess
1: Obviously, celebrities are are super busy. Their schedules are crazy. Um, a lot of times I got to deal with assistants. Um, I have to be flexible when I take on a celebrity because they can literally reschedule last minute and it throws you. Sure. But I mean, I make it clear to everyone that trains with me that, you know, sometimes it's tough when I have to take on a celebrity, they have to be flexible with my boyfriend. Sure. So, so but I've, I've, I've had great people and I haven't really experienced any problems with that. Now currently, I'm I'm trying to hire trainers so that I can have help, so that when I do take on a celebrity, I can just focus on that celebrity and I can have another trainer focus on the rest of my
0: time. Awesome, I love that. So let's talk. You talk. So you opened up Flex Lab in during COVID. That's a pretty bold move to be opening up a business, especially a gym business, yes. during the pandemic, yes. when you know um, a lot of gyms, as a just due to sheer size were forced to shut down. What was that like opening up a business during the pandemic?
1: Um it was it was it, it was good. It was it was exciting. It was it was a smooth transition because so my business is located in this big building in Hollywood called the East Town. Okay. It's a loft that I created the first floor to be my private fitness studio and i live actually upstairs i've been living in this i've been living in this building for four years okay four years and i was training out of the gym here that the gym that the building provides but that's you know it's not it's not private it's not um it's not the vibe i want it's sure it's different So I, and I struggled with complaints of residents or I don't know, other trainers complaining because I'd be in there all day. Um, You know, I've been, I'm used to training about nine to 10 people every single day, you know, but super busy. So it, it was hard. I got threatened to get evicted from this building before, et cetera, et cetera. So last year, one day I'm walking here through here at night and this unit was lit up at night all the windows were open. I can't, show. well, you see my door entry, there's a window there, sure. it's, it's all windows there.
0: So it was all open and I,
1: and I look in and I'm like, wow, that's my gym right there. I was like, that is my gym right there.
0: You had the vision.
1: Oh my God, I had the vision. I was like, this is what I've been looking for. You know, cause it's, I've been wanting to find a space for forever, previously to this. So I was like, that's my gym, I don't care. The next day, I go to the leasing office. I'm like, listen, I saw a unit. It's 3006 It's empty. I want that unit. What do I need to do? And they're like, well, your lease isn't up till October, so we can't. If you do, you have to pay extra fee, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to write you guys a check right now. Hold it for me. I want that unit. And I ended up making it work. They didn't charge me, you no know, break the lease fee because my, my lease was going to be up in, a, like, one month. So I was able to secure the space. After I secured the space, I, I, a friend of mine, Sarah, helped me like with the design look, and I hired the people. and It took it took about four weeks to get it all done.
0: It's awesome, man! Well, like kudos to you because most businesses were shutting their doors or doing nothing, and I, here I, you are creating a business. So that's awesome, um, and. It has to have gotten just even more busy now that uh, yeah. restrictions are being you know, lifted and people are going back to uh, yeah. like normal life as we know it. Um, that's- so that's great, man. Um, so. A lot of people struggle with weight and appearance, especially out in L.A., you know, and um, People are really good about excuses. I know I struggle with that um, and working out. What do you say to those people who say that, listen, Mario, I can't do it. Or, you know, this is really, I'm never going to look like that. What do you say to those people?
1: Uh, I honestly, I, I encourage those people not, first of all, I don't allow people to use, I can't, or it's too hard. Like I refuse to allow them to speak like that. I I, I'm like, listen, this this is just you versus you. You can do this. As long as you're a little stronger than you were yesterday, you've made progress, you're doing great. You know what I mean? Like I I just try to tell people like, look, it's not I tell them straight up, it's not gonna be easy. But I promise you you're gonna feel better after you finish.
0: There has to be days. You're a human being, just like everybody else. There has to be days when you wake up and you say, you know what? I don't want to fucking work out. I don't want to eat chicken, uh, you know, and vegetables or a piece of fish. I want to go eat pizza. I want to go have In-N-Out burger.
1: And I do, and I do, and I do. I do those things. I'll have a day where I'll have pizza or I'll have an In-N-Out burger. I don't tell you. I don't discourage people not to do that. You know. Now doing it every day—that's a different story.
0: You know, right. Sure.
1: I, do every day. I mean, honestly, I don't I don't have days like that anymore because I, I love what I'm doing. I'm extremely passionate about what I'm doing and I feel responsible for everyone I'm working with. So like for me, is if I start the day like that, guess what? Everyone that comes in here is going to feel that and they're not going to give me their best effort. But,
0: that's a, so, so that's a really interesting issue. So you wake up. And now you're like, shit, I really don't want to do this. Because we all feel that way. Anyone who says, you know, that they don't, they're just bullshit artists. I agree
1: with you 100%.
0: So now you're downstairs and let's say you're just, you're off, you know. uh, How are you able to like push through that to be the best Mario and to be the best trainer for your clients?
1: Well, I I think of all everything I've been through, I think of, all the tough times, all the hard work I put in to get here. I think about my dad. I think about, I have my little dad's voice. Like my dad would tell me, no, 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 like in Spanish. Que que, que pasa, go, you know, like my dad would push. Like he'd be like, you can't be lazy. Like, are you crazy? Like, so I just, I just use a lot of my past to, to shake me off and just get me, get me focused. Sure. And do you ever,
0: do you ever have chance when, like, let's say, a client says to you, "Yeah, I really don't want to work out today." What do you say to them?
1: I, I have that. As a matter of fact, I had that last week. She, uh, I had a client. I won't say her name, but she came in. She's like, "Listen, I don't really feel like working out today. I've had a bad day." Da, da, da. I'm like, "Okay, okay, no problem, no problem. We're not going to work out. We're not going to gym. We're going to go on a hike." And I take them on a hike, and oh, and nice. I, it's still a workout, you sure. know. I still make them maybe push a little bit, jog for 20 seconds, but I talk to them, I see what's going on. And after the hype, they're like, oh my God, thank you so much, I feel so much better. And then they'll come back the next day and kill it in the gym.
0: I love it, man, changing up the scenery.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because sometimes the gym could be super hard for someone who really doesn't like working out to begin with. And now if they're having a bad day, they really don't want to be in here. But if you, you, you got them outside, fresh air, you know what I mean? A little sweat outside, it changes their whole vibe bro, immediately.
0: I love it. You're not changing, you're not just transforming their, their body, their physical being, but also their mental being. It's amazing.
1: It's also, it's up here. It's up here.
0: Totally. Yeah. And so um, if you could say something to the old Mario, the Mario that just went to prison or right before he was going to prison, um the Mary that was down in the dumps years ago what would you say then
1: uh i would just tell them be patient work hard okay and, and be honest to yourself that's what i tell them be yeah. patient work hard be honest to yourself and never give up
0: it's awesome advice for everybody and is there is there anything that you Mario want to accomplish that you haven't done just yet?
1: Um, that I haven't done yet? I mean, look my my end goal is to have to help as many people as I can to to feel this empowerment of being fit, you know, of of, of wanting to work out every day, of of wanting to be your best the best version of yourself. You know, I believe like everyone, look, we're only here one time as far as we know, right? We're only alive and on this earth one time. So why not live it every single day to the best of your ability? Amen, man. So that's honestly my end goal. That's why I want flex all over the world. We're going to do flex New York soon. I'm going to talk to you. There you go. (laughs) Of course, man.
0: I love it. You know, and just tying the loop on this, what would you say, you know, there are a lot of people, as I mentioned, when we started this podcast, there's a lot of people who listen to these episodes who are going through transition, they're in a bad relationship, they may be going through a divorce or contemplating. Um, What would you say to them? What words of advice do you have?
1: For someone that's going through a bad relationship,
0: with you? well, yeah, because you know, and maybe so. Maybe I didn't ask the ask the question uh, the best way. You know, I'm a firm believer that if you're having a tough time, there are a lot of ways to heal yourself and to uh, take care of yourself. Self care,
1: yes.
0: and whether that's um, getting on a bicycle or reading a book or saying, I'm not gonna do those things today. I'm just gonna unplug, yes. um, you know, taking a walk on a beach. Uh, you provide a lot of that to individuals who may be having a tough time because it's an outlet, right. you know, working out is still an outlet and it, it uh, you know, creates endorphins and it gives right. a high. Um, and for people who are struggling, Uh, whether it's struggling because, you know, they're facing incarceration or they're struggling because they were in a toxic relationship, it's still a struggle, or they're in a job that they don't want to be in. You know, Um, you provide an outlet to, for them to not only feel better, lose LBs, but also have a better outlook on life. Yes. And so, you know, with that backdrop, is there something you know in particular you could would share some wisdom to somebody who maybe is in a toxic relationship
1: um i mean honestly, i would tell someone who's struggling like that like at the end of the day like whatever it is that they're struggling with they have they have to figure out how to disconnect from that issue and i know this is going to come off weird a little bit but you have to be a little selfish yeah selfish meaning disconnect I love that disconnect from whatever the problem is and then care about yourself first like work get yourself right first so whatever it is you're you're having trouble with you're struggling with disconnect from that and then be selfish a little bit and and love yourself a little bit and by loving yourself you're you're going for a walk you're going for a hike you're going to come see me you know you're going to do something that's gonna make you feel better.
0: I love it. Well, listen, I really appreciate you coming on here. Thank I can't you. wait to get in that studio or you to kick, so kick my kick, ass a bit. Uh, to,
1: to cut the ribbon off the New York lab, right? <laughs> I,
0: let's let's get that going. I love it. Yes. I gotta come see a game.
1: I gotta come see a game. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So my last question, I ask every guest that comes on, favorite sneaker, what's your favorite sneaker, Mario?
1: My favorite sneaker.
0: Your favorite sneaker. I'm a sneaker guy. So I ask everybody to kind of close it up.
1: I'm I'll, gonna I'll, I'll tell you Hirachi, the Nike Hirachis. Okay. Nike Hirachis, my favorite sneaker. They're great to run in, they're great to work out in, and they look good just wearing them casually. So i have to say the Hirachis. Not gonna be like Donnie. Donnie probably said the, the Jordan 1s or something like
0: that. all <laughs> so good, so good. Well, Mr. Flex, I am so honored that you came on. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you in person one of these days. Thank
1: you for having Um, me. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. You too. Peace. Peace.